0: Welcome along everyone to another of Shared Ireland's podcast. Today we'll be having a conversation with an next British soldier. He was awarded a military cross. He's an author and is a current MLA for Upper Ban for the UUP which is the Ulster Unionist Party. Welcome along Doug Beatty. How's it going? Good. Good. Glad you could give us time in this um Busy schedule leading up to the EU elections. No,
1: and, and, and it's wonderful. And it's good to have you here and, and welcome to my very meagre office um, here in in, in Portadown. Um, uh, you should have taken the offer of tea, which you didn't, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, the hospitality is always there for you.
0: Much appreciated. Uh, Doug, first of all, I'd like to just put on record, um, on behalf of Shared Ireland and our listeners, I'd like to thank you for taking up our offer and agreeing to speak to us today because... I think you're the first unionist politician to do so, so that's
1: very much appreciated. I, I, can, I, can I just come back quick? I think, uh-huh. I, I think. I, I mean, there's, there's two things I always say. One is that we have to respect difference. We, we are different people, and and respecting difference is what's incredibly important. The other thing is we have to talk. We have to talk to each other. We have to explain um, why we are different, what is different about us, and, and where we stand. And if we, if we stop talking then we can only entrench ourselves into positions, and, and that's not good. So that's why um, I, I'm more than happy to have you here. I wish I could have had you here earlier than today, but there never seems to be the right time. So, no, so I, no. I, I'm looking forward to this.
0: No, I, as you say, and from, from our point of view in a shared Ireland, that's our motto as well. While we'll never agree on everything, at least if we can be adults and have a conversation, it's always a pragmatic way to go about things. Doug, for anyone that maybe doesn't know you, which I don't think there'll be that many, in fairness, but could you tell us a little bit about your early years and what it was like for you growing up?
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the son of a soldier. My, my father was in the Royal uh, Ulster Rifles. Um, uh, and as such, I, I spent a lot of the time uh, on the road with my father, travelling around the world as a, as a young boy. Uh, he left the military when I was 10, uh, and we returned to Northern Ireland at the age of 10, um, uh, to put it down uh, to the middle of the Troubles, which I, I have to say I was shielded from up until the age of 10.
0: What what, what year are we talking
1: about here? Well, we're talking about 1975. 75, okay. Yeah, um, so I was shielded from what was going on up until that time. Yeah. I, I, I literally did not, and I'm, I'm being absolutely serious here, did not know what a Catholic was. I did not know what a Protestant was. I did not know what the IRA was about. I did not know... Uh, what other paramilitary groupings it was? I did not understand the the, the, the conflict, so I, I was very naive. The, as
0: the, I, the innocence of youth.
1: Yeah, I, I was a na- naive ten-year-old, um, but I've got to say my my naivety um, was taken away very very quickly. My my uncle Samuel, who was the the one of my youngest uncles who who um, used to come and, and visit us a lot, um, uh, was murdered um, by Republicans. I remember the day that he that they they came to the door to to my mother who who met them at the door to be told that her brother had been murdered and and i remember my mother falling to her knees and and, and screaming it's it's remained with me um so so I, I was touched very quickly by um what we call the troubles mm-hmm. um the pub just up from where i was living and i was in a working class estate in in town um was then blown up as well so i it, it came very close to to our to our door and, and of course the, the worker strikes in the 70s um, were very real to me uh, when i was going to school I, you know I'm, i was from a working class family uh, there were six of us in the family we lived in a three bedroom house you know two parents six children and a dog called johnny you know it, it was cramped um, and and you know we, we we got on with life as it was and then people married and and then people left and then my mother died when i was very young uh, at the age of 15 um uh, i was left in the house with my father a- alone my father then turned to, to alcohol in his grief and and i don't blame him for that but it, it it destroyed a lot of the innocence again of my of my youth as a as a 15 year old uh, i got myself in trouble with the the police um uh, and because my father was a soldier and, and soldiers have a tendency to be authoritarian in the, in their nature they're not as loving as many people would 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 imagine I'm, and i'm really generalizing here i guess it's the sign of the times or what it was like in, in the 70s and the 60s for, for men. But but I, I never had that great loving relationship with my father. But we came from this military family and my brothers had already joined the, the army and I didn't want to join the military. But having got myself in trouble with the police at the age of 16, um, I left school with with no educational qualifications not whatsoever. So no O-levels, no A-levels, no GCSEs. Um, or CSEs or whatever they were called and then, yeah. I can't remember so I left at 16 with nothing and uh, and then I, I joined the military uh, and my military career started at the age of of 16 uh, and and has carried on unbroken um, uh, pretty much ever ever There's since you're still a
0: reservist does that? And, and
1: I, I'm still a reservist now so I'm now on 37 years uh, and counting um, having joined the army as a as a 16 year old and uh, initially guarded Rudolf Hess as a 17 year old, right. uh, having guarded the, the cruise missiles uh, as, a, as an 18 year old uh, in Greenham Common. I, I, my career, you know, went on to service around the world and I progressed through the ranks to become the highest rank of an enlisted soldier, which was a regimental sergeant major, mm-hmm. uh, where I served in Iraq and, and Bosnia and, and various other places around the world. Uh, and then I was commissioned to the rank of, of, of captain and I left at the rank of captain regular service and joined the reserves, um, and I've now recently been been um, picked up for promotion to the rank of uh, of major. And I and I say that you know all because I still have no educational qualifications, so I yeah, still got absolutely nothing. And and apart from what the military has taught me, and I yeah. know many people have a a singular narrative about the military, but the military has given me everything that i have t- today and i'm very very thankful for that that's it's, not to say it's all been good there's yeah. been lots of bad but uh, it's certainly been a positive. So but it's, it's
0: become an extension of your family, I suppose. It,
1: it, it, it certainly has, and, and it, it's given me very wide arcs, left and right of arcs. So I, I view things very, very differently. And if I go back to saying to you at 10 years old, I didn't know what a Catholic and a Protestant was, um, that was a, a naivety, someone would say. But actually, it's stayed with me now that mm-hmm. I, I don't care if somebody, what religion somebody is, it, does, it doesn't register you, with me.
0: You look on the person first, and everything else is.
1: Well, I I I, I I I guess that's absolutely absolutely true. I I, I do look at the person. I, I religion has, has never been a huge factor within my life. I've never been a, a massive churchgoer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have my religious beliefs. I yeah. find them very very personal to me. Of I course. keep them with me. I've yeah. had my 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 um my links with God uh, at various stages in my life. You know, uh, but they're again very personal to me. I I, I don't like this organized religious um. Uh, somebody on a choke, box choke that goes around round my neck so but but I thank my father for that so at the very start where I'm saying you know the, the, what, he wasn't a very loving man and, and my father never ever hugged me and never told me that I remember that he that he loved me until um uh, days before he he passed away with throat cancer um you know if I look back actually he taught me well because what he he, he said to me is is not to look at people in that religious manner in fact he wouldn't let us talk about religion in the house at, at any stage mm-hmm. so we weren't allowed to reflect on what religion somebody was or what people were doing or why they were doing it so he he did shield us and i guess i never really noticed that until later on in life you mentioned earlier there about your father
0: and coming from his military background yeah and from i suppose that conditioning of a, being a soldier uh, that he wasn't maybe a very loving man towards yeah. you.
1: Does that also apply to you with your military background? Well, it's it's it's, it's interesting. I, I think there's 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 two points at play here. I think the first point is, is is that the military does give you a very regimented way of of dealing with things. I don't think it indoctrinates you, uh, you no. know. Uh, but I does I do think it gives you a very specific way of dealing with things and very regimented. But he also came from an era where where men and this sounds real cliche. Sorry but men were men where, where where men didn't talk about their feelings it was they that generation yeah, yeah it's a generational thing and they, and they didn't show their feelings you know there was no uh, overt feelings of 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 love in and, and I'm not I'm generalizing of course but, but that's very different for me um because I absolutely noticed that in in my youth and noticed it when I was a young man and when I became a young father um and I so I remembered that and I tried to do the absolute opposite but I still feel in myself being a little bit standoffish yeah. as a as a as a parent to to, to my son and uh, and and to my daughter. Um, I, I, there's an awkwardness within me which I I don't know where it comes from, mm-hmm. but I'm very conscious of it. So I try to overcome it.
0: Funny, just on the drive down here to meet you this yeah. morning, um, I was listening to um, the biggest radio show in the country, Mister Noel, well, yeah, yeah. and um, he, there was a segment on about Aunt Middleton. Um, I think he's an ex-SAS soldier and he's all yeah. over TV now and yeah, yeah. written books and whatnot. And the reason why he was on the Nolan show or the subject was because he has told his 10-year-old son not to cry and show emotion in public. So basically he's saying, uh, man up. Yeah. So there was a whole debate on about, you know, is it right to tell our children and, you know, not to show emotion. And I suppose rightfully there was... there was um. People on from a mental health point of view saying no, uh, this is why suicide rates are so high, especially here in the north of Ireland. And yeah. you know, so it's wonderful just
1: that we're talking about that kind of subject and the soldiers and stuff. And, and, and it's interesting. Cause we we live in a cruel world. Mm. Uh, and and if you show or, or or show any perceived sign of weakness, yes, people do latch onto that. So I can understand why somebody says don't show those perceived yeah. weaknesses. Um, because people will latch onto that, and, and and that can do you more harm. So, so I can understand that point of view, but but I would be the absolute opposite to that. I think I think the ability to cry, the ability to show emotion, the ability to talk about how you feel, um, is incredibly important. Of and course. I've I've done this on, on multiple occasions. Those senses of feeling of worthlessness, those sense of feeling of shame, yeah. um, uh, of loneliness, of isolation. That, that I don't feel weaker when I tell people that I feel that. Um. No, you it, know, it takes a proper man to show their emotions. I, I, think. I, I think it does, but but there are people out there who will, of course, use it to to attack you, yeah. uh, and and I guess you do need to have some sort of mechanism to deal with that. Yes, yeah, certainly. But but I do believe that one of the greatest issues that we have, which is mental health, and and on our issue around suicide is because people are being told not to talk about how they feel exactly uh, and that's it's and, okay not that, to and, be okay and that's and all oh, that's it's, it's really really important to 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 to, to um not be okay uh, i remember as a as a regimental sergeant major and, and my young soldiers having real difficulty with some of the things they saw in iraq and and i used to say to them look just come to me and talk mm-hmm. uh, and they did uh, and then i sat down one time and it says i'm having difficulties with this who do I go to? Nobody, because I'm the one they come to. I don't go to them, they come to me. And yeah. and, and I tried to bottle it up, and it's something that then really played on me later on um, and in my service in Afghanistan. That lead
0: into the whole post-traumatic stress disorder
1: thing and many other aspects of it. Well, well it, 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 can, it can lead into a depression. It can lead into a sadness, which I which I have, I have felt on many occasions. And I, and I, I don't go, I, I don't allow myself to be to be to be packaged uh, and and I don't and this is a personal thing to, to with post traumatic stress disorder but I, I I do get into these these deep feelings of of depression which I just call deep sadnesses but they they, they last for a while but then they go so it's a matter of of, of fighting against them so so I I, I guess the point I, I will always say to people is it is it is better to talk mm-hmm. you know uh, and and. You know, if somebody's going to attack you and call you weak for, for that, then you need to have mechanisms to fight against that. Yes, but 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 just staying silent is not going to help you ever.
0: Good to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Doug, uh, what do you put the recent increase in the Alliance and Greens vote down to? And how can the UUP, I suppose, reverse its recent poor fortunes at the ballot box?
1: Well, well, I, I, I guess, um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots to be put in there. Um, to be honest, I think there's many people here, especially, especially the, the youth, who have never known our troubled past here, and and we're very specific here. We're talking about Northern Ireland. Have never known our troubled past, so a lot of what has gone on has has uh, previously d- doesn't resonate with them. They want a, a brighter future. They want a different future. They want a more, uh, a, a future which which gives them more choice and. Uh, and and I guess the Alliance Party and the Green Parties have been able to tap uh, into that. Uh, and I suppose when you look at no, the DUP no. or Sinn Féin or the Ulster Unionist Party and others, people say they, they are people from that era that we want to try and for, for, forget about. So I think the Alliance Party have managed uh, to tap into that. You know, uh, and good on them for 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 being able to tap into it. I mean, it's up to them now to to sustain that, to, to make the decisions in the places where they have got gains. I suppose the more established parties, which you alluded
0: to there, the DUP, Sinn Féin, UUP, would would be perceived to have more baggage, probably, as you said, for the younger people.
1: Well, well absolutely, because they, they link them to everything that went before, and, and, and nearly they, they, they put blame to these people. You know, we don't have a government here in Northern Ireland. Well, that's the blame of the DUP and Sinn Féin, so there's, there's the blame there. You know, we, we, we had a society here... Which, which which probably wasn't as equal as it should have been. You know, the, let's blame the also Unions Party. you? You know, I, I guess um, that there is a point of this which is about blame, and I and I can understand that. Um, you know, uh, and, and and there's no point in me arguing against that blame. You know, if I'm if I'm really honest. So I guess the point is is that. The, the the greens and the alliance have tapped into that but what they now have to do is they have to sustain that because they will be in a position now where they will be making decisions which will affect people yeah certainly um uh the all unionist party I, I mean i i guess sometimes you know there's a narrative spun that 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 we are in terminal decline. I mean without a shadow of a doubt we've got issues and we need to deal with those issues if you know we are a party um, which which helped form Northern Ireland um, you know nearly 100 years ago and, and, and maybe there's a lot of reform that needs to go in there. A lot of the things that we're doing actually are very very good but for some reason the message is not getting out there or or people are just not picking up that message. I mean, yeah. we got 95,000 votes at the recent council elections, mm-hmm. but if you talk to people, you think that we got none. <laughs> We're still the largest political party, but you think that we had completely disappeared. We, we, we have major issues uh, in Belfast, and that's quite clear, and we all know that, and we've said this openly. Um, but but we've we've held ninety five thousand votes elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, and if you if you if you start to analyze analyze the, the election, you'll suddenly realize that actually we, we didn't do quite as bad as people were trying to, to, to make out. And I did pull the BBC on this, and I'm not going to do it again. And, and I know everybody will say, oh, you're just trying to blame, trying to blame, trying to blame. But their editorial narrative come out before a quarter of the votes were even were even counted. That 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 we were in terminal decline. Never, never let the truth get in the way of yeah, the good and, story. Uh, you know. So I guess. Um, You know, we know that there are structural changes within the party we need to do. And there's things that we need to get out that we are doing really, really well that people are not seeing and not hearing. You know, um, the work that we've done to link into the LGBT community, for example, people are not seeing what we have done. We say it, we talk about it, we put it out there. People commend us for it. You get a you get a clap on the back, and then it's forgotten about. Going to touch I mean, you, yeah. on that later. Yeah. So so but but I I guess people don't don't see everything that that we do, and and therefore there's a, a messaging issue with that. But again, I think that's a structural issue. I think we have structural structural problems that we we need to deal with. That does not take now me saying this doesn't take it away from 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 Alliance or from the Greens that's not saying well no. they only gained because we did badly yeah. No, quite the opposite. they they had they had a message to sell and they got people mm-hmm. out there to to, to to buy that and mm-hmm. that, and that's that's good work on their behalf and you mentioned just uh, during the course
0: of your response there that maybe society wasn't as equal as it should be yeah i think i've quoted you accurately there could you elaborate and expand on that for me? If well,
1: you don't mind? I, I think we all we all know um, that on the formation. I mean, I, I I don't go into too much historical fact here. I try to live in the here and now. I think we all know that. Um, when when um, Ireland was partitioned to Northern Ireland and, and the Irish Republic, we know that Northern Ireland became uh, a, a Protestant state, while the Irish Republic pretty much became a, a Catholic state. And, and again, I I know I'm keep generalizing, and the way people will be jumping up and down and saying, "No, that's not hundred percent accurate." I'm I'm I really am generalizing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess you know wh- whenever you became that majority, it, it was really up to people then to reach out to others and make it more inclusive. And I and I guess. Um, we didn't do that we we didn't reach out enough we didn't make it inclusive enough we didn't say to our good neighbors that you we want you here we will make sure that you are looked after that that we are all equals together mm-hmm. uh, and I think had we done that um, in in the hundred years of our of our lifetime <clears throat> excuse me then we would be uh, in a very different uh, position now but but we we, we didn't uh, and, and it led to um, animosity and more division and, and inequality, which I think um, fermented uh, resentment. Um, but then it, it also led to, as well, and 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 uh, you can you can argue there's a direct correlation to this, and, and of course there is in some in some levels. It, it led to to violence, and it led to Northern Ireland as a country continually being under attack, never having the chance to flourish as any other country would have a chance to flourish so one beget the other begat the other and and um uh, i guess decisions made by our forefathers 100 years ago um in doing what they thought was right to protect their position which they thought was being was under attack was beleaguered um has has led us, led us to a stage where we probably weren't as equal as we should have been but people and there were good people here on on all sides were trying to rectify that you know Um, uh, and and I don't think we should try and forget about that, people trying to rectify that. This wasn't everybody. This was was a system that we were part of. I think it's refreshing
0: to hear you say that, to be honest Mm. with you, and I suppose coming from a shared Ireland's point of view,
1: that's what we are all about, so... Yeah, I, I, mean, it, I mean, I mean, there'll, there'll be many people who will be disagreeing with me in my, in my words and, and, and I'm maybe not being as descriptive as I possibly could be. And there'll be many unionists who are saying, what are you what are you saying here? Doug? You know, I'm saying that we we had a time which was 100 years ago, which was very different from the time that we live now. I think some people don't look at the context uh, of the time, um, you know, following the, the, the Easter Rising, following the, the War of Independence um you know following the civil war in the irish republic you know we we were in a certain period of time and we have to take that context in it as well Uh, and northern ireland i guess did feel that they were continually under attack and it led to decisions being made which probably weren't the right decisions you know and those right decisions led to an inequality which fermented um hatred between uh, hatred and division between communities and i think that has fermented itself further okay
0: Doug, um, <clears throat> coming from your soldiering background, hmm. you're on record of having said that during your career you have taken someone's life. Yeah. What's it like to take someone's life?
1: It, it, it's it's awful. It is it is truly awful. It is it is the worst thing you can possibly uh, imagine. There, there'll be people who will say, uh, with a degree of brav- bravado, that. Uh, it's not it's just you do it and uh, it's your job and and you move on and and yes, uh, at that time when when you have to do it, it, it is you know uh, and you do move on, but, but afterwards there's a reflective point to all of this, and you have to reflect on what you've done and and you know it's 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 an awful thing to be responsible for the taking of a life because you're not just taking your life, you're taking a your family's life. Mm-hmm. you're taking an individual who was a father who was a son um, who was a provider for the family. Uh, and to do that, you don't do that um, uh, and say, you know, so what? You know, you, you you have to look at it. And, and, and I've tried to be honest about um, what I have done. I've never hidden from what I have done. Um, I, I fought in in conflict. The, the person um, who I killed was trying to kill me. If I had not killed him, he would have killed me. Could the argument be said yeah. that... He was trying to kill you because you were in his country. Well, the argument could be said, and many people will use that argument. But the interesting thing is, and and uh, you know, if I can expand a little bit for you, is is that 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 um, uh, I I have had to in the course of my military career, and I've got to say in my later military career, career c- killed a, a a number of individuals. Um, some of those individuals were not fighting for their country. Some of those individuals were. Um, from Saudi Arabia. Some of those individuals were Chechen. Some of them were from the Baluch tribe, were in Pakistan. Um, This was not Afghans who were fighting for their homeland, uh, who who I killed. Uh, I was actually standing fighting alongside Afghans, trying to clear these people off their homeland. In fact, I tell the story about a guy called Major Shawali. Uh, Major Shawali was an Afghan policeman. Um, who saved my life on a number of occasions. And I mean literally saved my life. I don't mean he gave me a glass of water when I was thirsty. I'm talking about a man who, an Afghan, who lay on top of me when grenades were exploding above my head um, to protect me. Um, uh, and I tell the story about Major Shawali, an Afghan, who I fought beside to get rid of these people, um, who would hold me back and say to me that, BD, your job is not to fight. Your job is to help me fight, mm. to clear these people from my land. Mm. Uh, and Major Shawali was was, was killed while working alongside me, uh, trying to kill these people off his land, this Afghan clearing these people off his land. Uh, and Major Shawali still remains for me the bravest, most noblest man that I've ever known in my life, an Afghan. And so therefore I do resent sometimes, and I get it a lot when people say to me that that I was killing people who were just there fighting for their land. These people were not fighting for their land. These people were there on somebody else's land. These people were there absolutely repressing the people of Afghanistan uh, and the lawful government of Afghanistan were the ones who were trying to get rid of them and they were the ones I was trying to help. So, so I, I argue that point absolutely uh, and I will continue to argue that point as I will argue the point is that the person that I killed was trying to kill me and, and, uh, and, um, and I, I came close to it on, on, on many, many occasions where they, they would have killed me. Um, but that doesn't stop me reflecting on what I did. That doesn't stop me thinking and saying, you know, this was a, a truly awful thing that I did. And I did some really, really awful things in the course of my of my career fighting an enemy and, and killing an enemy. There's, there's no decent way to kill somebody. No. You know, there's no quick way. It's horrible. It's brutal. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. And it lives with me still. The faces of those people who I killed up close lives with me still. The faces of my friends who died beside me live with me um, still. So... It's a, it's, a, it's a real issue for me it's a motive issue for me uh, I do talk about it as much as I possibly can to try and get people to understand but as we go back to you know this business of is it right to talk you know of course it is mm-hmm. people use it as a method to attack me uh, and and you, you will have seen that on multiple occasions people have attacked me on, on social media and other media um, for, for being honest and talking and, and, and showing exactly what I what I feel. But, but, you know, that won't stop me. I just need mechanisms to deal with that. But if they're yeah. going to take what I'm talking about to help me and help others understand the, the real problems and, uh, and dilemmas soldiers face, then that's up to them. I suppose just sticking with this theme
0: for a wee minute, yes, I took, and I appreciate, by the way, your honesty and openness here. Yes, there. sir. Uh, again, it's refreshing. Um, I suppose, you know, the way I would look at soldiers and governments enlisting soldiers um, like the old song in Vietnam the average age of a soldier okay. was 19 so young men with a lot of testosterone running through them and you know need a cause and you know would be willing to do anything and I suppose we're in going with this now that you're an older man in life
1: yeah
0: have does that change maybe how you would perceive war and killing and taking someone's life considering that we all probably only spend 80
1: 90 years on this planet yeah. is anything really worth it well well the reality is uh, I can only give you my experiences and, and as, a, as a 25 year old man uh, as a soldier you know I, I I wanted nothing more than to to fight in a, in a in a war you know I've been trained for war I want to go and fight in a war uh, and I never got really got the, the proper chance to fight in, in a proper conflict until I was 40. <laughs> You know, um, I've been involved in other other, um, other conflicts around the world, but but not one where I was actually physically fighting for my life and killing and, 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 and the rest of it, you know, and, and, and having done that, I reflect and I say that uh, as a soldier, um, I hate war as much as a fireman hates fire. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, I would never want anybody to have to go to war again. I would want nobody to ever have to do what I had to do. Um, uh, I, I wish I'd never had to do it. it it's the reality. But but armies exist. Uh, the reasons for armies um, will always exist, so they will always be there. It's just a, it's 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 a it's a reality, um, you know. Uh, so I I guess uh, that there's a real dilemma as 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 looking at the the young man um, uh, and and trying to give advice to that young man now that I'm fifty three 53, 54 years of age, and saying to that twenty five year old who was desperate to fight in a war and say to him actually you don't. You don't want to be involved. You don't realize that the human carnage that you're going to leave behind, and you will not realize that the human um, carnage you're going to leave within yourself. So I, I guess that the advice there would be: don't be so eager to be involved in these things. Mm-hmm. You know. So you, you're right. As, as young as young men, and is mostly young men. I, I have to say there there is a lot of testosterone, which mm-hmm. which makes them want to go and do these sort of things. Um, I, I guess when you do it. And you start to reflect when you're a father, when you're a grandfather, and you reflect on the carnage. You, you certainly have a different point of view.
0: Just sticking with the soldier theme, but um, we'll get off your personal one, <laughs> okay. your journey. What's your take on these soldiers that are going to be prosecuted or not going to be prosecuted due to their actions here uh, in this country? Well,
1: right. uh, okay, so so I've been I've been clear on. on on, on multiple occasions uh, and it's as simple as this nobody is above the law um we no, all nobody nobody's above the law be, be you a soldier be you a policeman uh be you a terrorist be you a member of the public um be you a politician nobody is above the law so the law must run its its, its course so that's a starting point yeah it yeah. It, 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 it absolutely has to I, I think there's deeper problems with all of this of course is that um for all that was done wrong for looking at the leadership um, of the British military, looking at the the politicians in the UK government who made policies, looking at those people in the higher echelons of the terrorist organisations. All of them seem to have got away with this. And it has all been diluted down to the young private soldier who, in the heat of the moment, had to make a decision and he made the wrong decision. Or the terrorist who was handed a bomb which was made for him by somebody else told to take it into a shop and say, deliver that, and that's it. So it seems to be always boiling down to the foot soldier, and that really does grind on me a little bit, that the people who directed all of this seem to have got away, while the guy on the, on, at, the, at the very lowest rung seems to be carrying the can for it. Now, people will argue, well, they had a choice. That guy had a choice about taking that bomb into the, 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 the shop. Yes, that soldier had a choice about joining the army. Yes, they did. But you have to look at the context, you have to look at the time, you have to look at what was going on uh, in, in all of these things. So, where I say it's absolutely right that we follow the law, and I do not believe in, in amnesties of any shape or form, that we follow the law. I, I think there is a context that needs to be looked at as well in this. Uh, and the people who sent soldiers onto the streets without the training that they should have had need to answer for that. You know, um, and as do the the people at the very highest echelons of of terrorist organisations. Do you accept that there was a a perceived
0: policy by many people here, I suppose on the nationalist side, that there seemed to be a shoot-to-kill policy going on by the British government?
1: Right. So, here's the thing. Soldiers are a blunt instrument. Um, They are not taught to do anything other than shoot-to-kill. They're not taught. I'll tell you exactly what they're taught. They're taught to shoot at the visible mass and keep shooting till it goes down. That's what they're taught.
0: But is it right for any government to send a citizen or soldiers out to kill its so-called own citizens? Well, well, n- nobody wants to kill. And I've made this point. But I suppose I've, that's the point. There was a shoot-to-kill policy. No,
1: I, I, I what, what, no. Uh, l- let me try and to explain if I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, every single soldier who, I, I, and, and 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 I'm talking about ninety-nine point nine percent of soldiers who served in Northern Ireland left their base with their weapon not intent on killing anybody and then a circumstance arose and within the legal authority they had they had the ability and a decision to make and that is to engage or not to engage um, some engaged lawfully and some may not have engaged not lawfully but they didn't set out to do that the situation led them to have to do that um, and when they did make that decision to engage they engaged to kill the target they're shooting at because that's what they're trained to do, so that's what that's what their aim is. So they didn't set out to do this; they 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 went out to keep law and order. Now I, I did this myself. I I I you I, you never set out that you're going to kill, and that's a reality whether you like it or not. Um, the terrorists, on the other hand, every time they went out the door, their aim was to maim and to kill. And again, that's a reality. And I think people need to understand that. Soldiers had a legal authority now. They had to work to a set of rules, and those rules are called the law of armed conflict, civil and military law, and the rules of engagement. And they have to stay within them. And if, if they stay within them, they use the, the legal authority to loo- use lethal force. And that that's not without que- that's not in, within question here. I guess the question is when they go outside of those laws. That's when we we question what they did. But when they go outside of those laws, you then have to ask the question, did they go deliberately outside of those laws to do this? Or did they go outside of them because they believed they were in a particular situation, where what they were doing was the right thing to do. They thought they were working within the law, um, even though they, 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 they'd gone outside of it. So I, I guess that, that's the point I make. Now, we can look at other instances um, where people can argue a particular case. So we can look at the instance, for example, of Lockall uh, and we can argue the case about Lockall and say, well, you could have taken these people prisoner. Y- you know, if you are faced with a, with a heavily armed organisation, heavily armed organisation, um, high velocity weapons um, with an, I- extreme penetration power and also with improvised explosive devices, as a soldier, your aim is to stop them and you stop them by using legal th- force. Um, uh, you know, so so I, I, I suppose the point I'm making is, is that soldiers didn't go out to kill, but circumstances led them to.
0: And and listen, I suppose we could speak for of course a little of yeah, years yeah. about it, but just on that point, I still find it very hard for anybody to justify a person, a child, a woman, a man walking down the street and getting hit by a bullet and um you know there's no they weren't
1: carrying a weapon they weren't carrying a bomb they didn't set out they weren't a terrorist no no and 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 i and i wouldn't justify that why why would anybody justify that i i i guess i mean if 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 a a woman if a child if a if a man uh, an innocent individual is walking down the street and they are aimed at targeted shot and that's 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 not justifiable and cases like that must be looked at. They must be reviewed and there must be evidence put across to see what the case is. If it was a ricochet, uh, if it was firing at somebody else and, and, and the bullet struck somebody else, all of this has to be taken into account. But that's not justified. And, and at no stage am I saying that is justified. Um, in the same way, burning people alive in a, in, a, in a hotel is not justified. A very deliberate act, though, I've got to say. This was a deliberate act. So I guess what the point that I'm making is that you have to take the context of everything that was happening at that particular time. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, we can argue, and again, there'll be people who will absolutely disagree with me, and of course they'll disagree with me. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I said at the very start that we, we all have opinions and, and we have differences, and it's important to talk about those differences, but I just happen to know, absolutely happen to know, that over 99% of soldiers who left their base with weapons and legal authority to use those weapons did not do so and had no intention uh, of doing so. Those who did use them would have believed that they were working within the law because of the circumstances put in front of them. Uh, You know, I I, I believe that. Why do I believe that? Well, I believe that because I have spent 37 years in the military and I know what I've been trained at. Uh, I was also one of the instructors who sent soldiers to Northern Ireland So I was part of the Northern Ireland training advisory team for units coming to Northern Ireland, uh, and I know what they were trained to do. The biggest issue we had with the military was in the early days of the conflict, the early 70s, the whole of the 70s, the early 80s. And I fundamentally believe there was an issue there with the, 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 the Ministry of Defence's training regime for those soldiers being sent here. I do not think they fully understood the geopolitical situation that they were being put into uh, and also it was a pretty horrific time in the 70s uh, I and mean, I think we all know that.
0: Yeah okay
1: can we as a
0: society move forward Doug before our past is sorted out namely being the victims or families dealing with legacy issues and I suppose it links into the Good Friday Agreement um, mm. you know was there proper mechanisms if any set up to deal
1: with this massive issue? We 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 are never going to move on as a society until we deal with legacy, whatever way we deal with legacy. And there will there will always be issues in regards to to, to legacy, I suppose, um, because it's being passed on, and it's being it's being passed on to 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 family members. So it's not a case of we're just going to wait until they all die out because they won't, because it's being it's being passed on, um, uh, and we can't ignore. Do you think is there a sense of, of that? that?
0: Just sorry for
1: interrupting you. By the yeah. way, that maybe from certain quarters will wait them out here. Well, I, 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 think people will believe that that you know the the victims and the survivors will 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 die off and and the whole problem will go away. But but it simply doesn't go away. You there's know. always
0: a new generation. There's, there's
1: always a, a new generation who's been traumatized from it. I said at the very start of this that my uncle Samuel was murdered by Republican terrorists. I've never classed myself as a a victim or a survivor. But I'm quite within my rights to turn around and say that was my uncle. It affected yeah. my family, Absolutely. so I would be in my rights to do that. So, and I would be in my rights to pass it on to my son, and he could pass on to his son, and everything. so I guess that carries on. And I, and I guess we we have a sense of talking about, um, you know, three thousand six hundred odd deaths in Northern Ireland due to the due to the troubles, but we don't have a sense of talking about the forty thousand that were injured. Yeah. We don't get a sense of talking about the society that was mentally damaged by our conflict. Yeah. I think, you know, if we're just talking about fatalities, then 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 you could do something to deal with that. But you can't do something to deal with the total harm of, of what's happened here in Northern Ireland. Uh, and, <coughs> and indeed, what has created this deep division between between societies here in, in Northern Ireland and this absolute lack of trust. You now, yeah. there be people who do not trust me because I was a British soldier, they will not trust me. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how conciliatory I will be, they will never trust me, I understand that. I can't trust Sinn Féin. You know, it doesn't matter what they say to me, I cannot trust them. Um, and, and my reasons for never trusting them is because they promoted and they condoned and they championed the butchering of men, women, and children here in Northern Ireland. Somebody will say the exact same about me. You know, so and that's the point about. I and I respect them saying that about me, but they have to respect how I'm telling people about what I feel about about Sinn Féin, and, and and that's not going to go away, you know. But we can't just ignore these people. We cannot bring in something that says we're just going to ignore you. That, that that we're going to throw some money in your direction and ignore the hurt and the harm that, 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 that was put in front of you. Uh, I, I, we can't do that as a society. We need to come up with something, a mechanism that looks at that, and that includes the 40,000 people who were injured. There are people who were burned. There were people who are blind. There's people who have lost limbs. There are family members who had to care for them for their whole lives, and their lives were destroyed because of it, who we have ignored. Mm-hmm. We have literally ignored them, and even ignoring them even today in 2019. We're ignoring them today. Did we look at this in depth at the Belfast Agreement? I believe the Belfast Agreement um, uh, was to stop us killing ourselves. Mm. The Belfast Agreement was always to stop us killing ourselves. Uh, and in that, it worked. It worked in that regard. But mm. what we didn't do was to follow up to it. Yeah. We sort of sat back on our laurels uh, and we allowed it just to be this overarching document that we all had to live our lives by without looking at it being amended and put back to the people. Mm-hmm. Even if you take the degree of direct rule, you know, uh, after afterwards and then moving into the new era from 2006, 2007 with the DUP and Sinn Féin, the reality is all five parties should have, within five years of the Belfast Agreement, all got back together again and come up with the next step. Yeah, And that next step needed to be put to the people. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I guess, um, You know, if if somebody was saying to me, Duke, okay, well, that was then, this is now, what do you do? Well, I would say, well, here's what we do. We go all the way back to the Belfast Agreement and we say, that's our starting point. And then using that as our starting point and get rid of all of the other um, two party agreements, Uh, using that as our starting point, get the five parties together again and agree on the next step and then put it to the people and let the people vote on it again. Because we are not gonna get out of this mess unless the people vote us out of this mess. You know, uh, and right now, we're being sectarianized uh, every single year that this goes on.
0: Okay, thank you for that answer.
1: Uh,
0: I suppose we thought about our name, yeah. Shared Ireland, long and hard before we went public with it. Our vision is to have a shared space on this island for everyone, equal rights for everyone, and to engage with everyone. Yeah. How can we bring this situation about Doug? and what steps are required to create a truly shared Ireland?
1: Well, here's here's the interesting thing. It is, we can all look at what a shared Ireland is uh, and we can give our opinion. So I'm looking at this as a a shared island of Ireland Uh, and therefore it's being shared. It's being shared between two countries. Northern Ireland is one uh, and the Irish Republic, Ireland is is the other country. Uh, And to be a truly shared Ireland, then we have to accept that we are two countries uh, on on one island. Now that's not fitting into what you're talking about, of course, but, but it's absolutely what 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 I am because um, Ireland is 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 my good neighbour. Um, I, I enjoy calling myself Irish. Um, I absolutely see Gaelic games, the Shamrock, Guinness, um, the, the Irish the Irish Language Act. You know, Irish dancing as all of part of my identity, but so is the sash and so is the union flag. And so is God save the queen. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so is Ulster rugby, you know, so, so all of these things make up my identity and identity is a, is a complex thing. But I suppose what, what, the, where I'm coming from in, in, in this is, uh, you know, I'm a unionist, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe that Northern Ireland as a country has the right to exist. And it has a right to be part of the United Kingdom because that's what we chose to be. Um, but that does not stop us being good neighbours. That doesn't stop us sharing a lot of things which we all have in, in common. You know, so um, we can have a shared Ireland. But that shared Ireland is two two separate jurisdictions on one island. Um, and I think the sooner people allow that to happen and work for that to be something which is a positive the better, because it's better for all of us who are here, for people to, to give Northern Ireland a chance. And I said this earlier, Northern Ireland has never been given a chance to reach its full potential. Somebody has always held it back, um, uh, you know, and that's been done through violence, that's been done through political means, and that's been done through, you know, and, and it's continuing today with the collapse of, of an assembly which would work for, for the people, you know. But we have the chance for Northern Ireland to be a great small country and people aren't giving it that chance. But at the same time, we have the ability then to link into Ireland, to our good neighbours, with all our shared identities. Um, uh, And if we can, in Northern Ireland, break out of some of these equality issues that we have, um, you know, we are in effect, you know, just moving with the times to keep up with everybody else. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that people say, I'm Irish, but I'm also European, you know, I'm Irish and I'm also British. You know, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly the, the, the same thing. So um, I want to see equality moved properly, uh, not for political advantage, but I want to see equality moved properly. Um, uh, and I want to see this island flourish both sides of our invisible border. And I want that border to stay invisible. But the reality for me remains this. Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. Northern Ireland will remain part of the United Kingdom, but that doesn't stop us sharing. Okay. But One, you'd expect that from a unionist, would you? Of course, of
0: course. But I think it's important that, you know, we hear this and we have the conversation yeah, and sure, there's nothing wrong with that. Work with me here, Doug, will you? Go on, go on, go on, go on. I'm going to take you on a little journey here. Sometime in the future, a border poll is called. Yes. The people decide to vote for an All-Ireland. Yes. A New Ireland. Yes. Because, as you alluded to previously there, put it to the people. Yes. What would your biggest fears be and concerns if that scenario did happen in the future?
1: Okay, my, my, my biggest concerns are, 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 are this, um, uh, is that people will not respect certain aspects of our community. Uh, and, and what am I really saying here? We all know that Northern Ireland has a huge history of service within the military, massive history of service within the military. And I think there is a fear that there are elements, insidious elements within our society who would not accept that. Um, uh, I, I already said to you, and I don't say this just to offend. I'm being trying to be real realistic here. I've already told you that I do not trust Sinn Féin. I do not trust Sinn Féin. Um, uh, and I think they would have a big say if we were to have a unified Ireland. And I think they would try and make... Um, this part of any Unified Ireland, a place where people like me would not want to live, would not feel welcome living uh, and would find it hard to live and that concerns me. Now I I have to say something here and be absolutely clear, I'm going nowhere. Whether we're a Unified Ireland or, or whether we stay as I believe we will as part of the United Kingdom here in Northern Ireland, I am not leaving. This is my country and I will be fighting for my country. Of course. Uh, I, I mean, politically not... I was going to ask you to clarify <laughs> yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, you know, um, so I'm going nowhere. But there is a fear that, that that these people will 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 not make it a place which is welcoming for me. Now, there will be people out there who say, well, that's what you did to us in the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. Uh, and I'll say, right, but that wasn't me. I wasn't living then. I didn't do it. That's a sign of the times back then. I'm talking about the here and now, uh, and and I do not believe that I would be welcome.
0: So one of your fears and concerns is that you would be afraid that Sinn Féin, whatever that big of a say in a new Ireland, an all-Ireland, that they would try to make you and your, I suppose... Population feel unwelcome. Is that basically what you're
1: saying? Yes, I, I mean, and you can give you can give platitudes. You can say you know you'd still be able to to, to march with the Orange Order. You'd still be able to um, you know fly the Union Jack once you want to fly I mean, you know, that that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is would I feel welcome in my own place? You know, and 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 I have a concern that that I would not. Okay, right. And again, you've worked with me here, going on this yeah, journey. Okay. Yeah,
0: You have in fairness to you So, just to move this on a little bit further, what can Sinn Féin or the people that would like to see a new Ireland happen, how can they alleviate these fears? What practical steps needs to happen now that it would never reassure you, because I accept that, but that would help, I suppose, and that is the word, alleviate some fears? Um. Because I think it's important we hear this.
1: No, I, I, I you, you you're right and 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 I could sort of sit here and I can give you a big list of demands and say well if you if you did this and you did this and you did this um, then it would change I, you know I have to be really honest yeah of know, course if you don't mind is I, I'm a constitutional unionist mm. it doesn't matter what you put in front of me I, I, I nothing would make me but no. bear with me, bear with me. Nothing would make me say that this would. This is what you, the box you need to tick for me to be yeah, happy. The, yeah. the, there is nothing because I'm a constitutional unionist. Yeah. In exactly the same way, if somebody explains to me, Doug, if you had a single unite, unified Ireland, you will be £5,000 a year better off. It wouldn't wash with me because I'm a constitutional unionist. It's not about the economics in exactly the same way if I went to Jerry Adams and I said to Jerry Adams and I said, Jerry, if you were five thousand pounds a year better off staying in part of the United Kingdom, would that keep you here? And he said, no, because he's a constitutional republican. yeah, and and the same way is is that you know if I gave a, a a list of things to Jerry, and I said, Jerry, give me a list of things that would make you want to stay in part of the UK, you know he, he, would, he would laugh at you. He'd say there's, there's nothing and it would be unfair of me to sit here and say if you did this i would be more comfortable um, the, the the reality is as a constitutional unionist you know the, the, there's nothing that that would would, would alleviate what, what i'm what i'm talking about here because, well, because but you yeah,
0: but, but but here but what but but, but you did say you were going nowhere and you would fight to stay here politically uh, so accepting that that you're going to stay here which of course is your home if you feel uncomfortable with a new mechanism in New Ireland people still need to put motions in place to help you. Feel comfortable
1: here you, you, yes you, you you're absolutely right and I guess the, the reason I said that I would stay here is because I'm trying to counter this narrative that people have from what Arlene Foster said one day she which, would leave what she would leave <laughs> you know and, and I and I thought that was a degree of political cowardice um you know but I could understand her reasons and rationale for it and lots of people would would see similar and that's not me attacking her but I think that would be political cowardice and and I wouldn't show that political cowardice um I, I'm but I'm also constitutionally minded you know, uh, and and if there was a border poll, and then you know, in the same way that I, as a Remainer on Brexit, and I voted Remain, accepted um, the 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 the, um, the 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 constitutional vote to leave, and I have done, then I would accept the constitutional um, vote if if there was a border poll, I, and and I would accept I would accept that. I wish people other people would have a similar view with that. With other things, they seem to you know be a la carte. Um, Democrats in that you know pick and mix sort of Democrats in 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 that score, but but I'm not, but I think it would be unfair and, and 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 I wouldn't go down this. Well, here's a list of things that would make me feel better. You know, as a constitutional unionist, you know, there's nothing that would that would make me feel better. No, yeah. absolutely nothing.
0: I, know, I suppose I've asked this question to all our people. Yeah, of course. On, yeah. On, on one of the. One of the answers I've got, which seems to be a recurring theme, is that the loss of my British identity and the erosion of it yeah. seems to be coming through loud and clear.
1: No, I, I you see, um, I, you know, I, I'm an Irishman. You know, people people attack me all the time by saying I'm an Irishman. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm an Ulsterman and I'm and I'm British. And I know we've all heard this this yarn before. And, and a European, you know, so so my Britishness is my identity, regardless of where I am in the world. You know, you know. If I I've lived in Germany, when I was lived in Germany, I, you know, I was still British. It, it was my Britishness was never under threat. When I was when I was in Afghanistan, my Britishness wasn't in, under threat, or Iraq, or in Bosnia, or in Africa. You know, so I, 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 that doesn't concern me because that's my identity. That's within me. You know, so that th- that's not a concern. You know, in any shape or form. Yeah. But here's the the the, the, the 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 real beauty that that sometimes it's hard for people to express why they. They're unionists. What what really makes them want to be part of this club, and 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 here I am telling you that I'm an Irishman, and you know what I can go to Scotland, and feel like I belong, really feel that I belong, but still be an Irishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can do the same in Wales. I can feel that I belong to that club and still be an Irishman, mm-hmm. with all of those extra things that I bring in and all of those extra identity and cultural issues that I have as an Irishman. I can go to any part of the United Kingdom and feel at home mm-hmm. but w- with those you know and I guess that's the same feeling that a a Republican has when they're sitting in, in 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 Londonderry or in Belfast and when they go down to Dublin they feel at home you know it's 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 that sense that that I guess that it, it's really hard to explain to people um, what makes them such a a, a strong unionist and and people sometimes label me label me as a as a liberal unionist there's no such a thing as a liberal unionist you're either a unionist or you're not um uh you know i might have liberal values but but I'm i'm a i'm a staunch unionist because i really feel like i belong my identity really feels at home whether i'm living in england scotland or wales my irishness is really strong within me no matter what part of the kingdom i'm i'm in very good because you worked with me so nicely yeah, they're, they're, on, on, on that little journey we yeah, went Yeah, you did not drink my tea. They didn't trust me. <laughs>
0: I'm going to now give you the opportunity to explain the benefits of staying within the union, especially if Britain does leave the 27 member trading block known as EU. Tell me the benefits of not having a New Ireland border pole. Why should we stay where we are?
1: Well, th- th- this this comes down to this comes down to um, my, my identity this comes down to where I belong this comes down to something that is so ingrained in me that um, it, it could never be taken away from me it could never be destroyed from me uh, uh, and that is that my sense of belonging within the Union my sense of belonging as part of the British nation um, that, 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 that sense that every single thing that we have, is shared. Um, the, 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 the Scottish identity is shared with me. The Welsh identity is shared with me. The English identity is shared with me. It's exactly the same feeling within the union that people are saying they have within the EU. It's that sense of belonging and they can't argue to me and say they have a sense of belonging within the EU and then deride me from my sense of belonging within the European uh, within the within the UK. Now, if if you were to say to me, and 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 it's an interesting throwback. But if you were to say to me, and I would love this. I would love Ireland to be unified as part of the United Kingdom. Do you remember that mm-hmm. we had that once before? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't I love that? <laughs> Actually, I would love that. You know, so so the same argument w- to me would be, well, why can't we have a unified Ireland as part of the United Kingdom? Mm-hmm. You know, now people say, well, it's because they're leaving Europe. Well, we weren't always leaving Europe, mm-hmm. so why could we not have fifty years ago had a Had a unified Ireland as part of the United Kingdom. You know when we were, you know, fifty years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago. um, You know, it's it's that sense of belonging.
0: You you keep um, mentioning the word that sense of belonging, which obviously depends on what side of the coin you come Mm. from. We all can have that sense of where we belong. Of course. But I suppose in my question there was one key word. Can you explain the benefits of staying within the union? Now, not from uh, an emotional point of view, but the practical benefits, like for example, is the NHS working here, is, is our infrastructure right, have we got a real network here, uh, it's, it's only recently that we're getting the motorway on the M2 extended past whom. you know, we this country that you would call Northern Ireland isn't really working.
1: Well, well, look, I, I, I said this before, um, that this country has never been a ch- given the chance to work. We have never been given the opportunity to work. We have never had a, a, any time where we're stabilised enough to be able to move forward in the modern era. Now, I appreciate... You know, in the in the thirties and forties and the fifties, and we had a chance to do things, and we probably didn't do it. I talk about the modern year, I'm talking about here and now and today. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not talking about fifty or sixty or seventy years ago. Yeah. No. Here and now, we have not had the ability to to have the chance to improve what we have here, to look at things and change them. But if there but are if, many things if, here, if, to if change. you look to
0: as you would call them, our neighbours in Ireland, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: um, you know, the infrastructure, the road network. Um, everything about it is, to be quite honest, light years ahead of here.
1: Well, uh, well, parts of parts parts of it are, and, and parts of it are are, are not. Uh, you know, their, their their health service in parts works very very well, and other parts doesn't doesn't work very very well. And ours and ours uh, has a has a fundamental problem in regards to structural issues and funding, which needs to be. I mean, we we can argue a point about. Austerity and what the Conservative government have done, which have undermined the NHS and our schools and our, and our hospitals and other, other things, if, 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 if we want. And that's a, a governmental thing. But the, but the point is, the Irish Republic, for the main, has been left alone to build and improve and get better. Northern Ireland has not. Northern Ireland was keeping its head above water for, for 30 years of a bombing campaign that was destroying the very infrastructure we were trying to build. You know, we had to put soldiers on the street. I wish we didn't. We had to put soldiers on the street to try and keep people safe. And, and there's a different argument there. And I accept the different argument there. But I wish we didn't. But the Irish Republic never had to do that. We have never had the ability, never had the ability, to just look at Northern Ireland and put forward a 20-year plan to take this part of the country forward. And even when we had stability, and we did have a degree of stability, um, when when the DUP and Sinn Féin were the first and Deputy First Minister, they were still not working together for the good of the country. The constitutional question is always there. Now, if somebody would say to me, okay, do, you know, could you make Northern Ireland work? I'd say yes, just give us 20 years. 20 years without bickering, 20 years without the constitutional question, 20 years where everybody is working to make this part of the United Kingdom really good for the people who live here all of the people then the cynics would say you've already had 25 years but they haven't we haven't had 25 years because within those we have had this bickering and undermining of the very processes that we want and the constitutional question has still been there Mm -hmm. but if we got the political parties to go into a room and sit down and turn around and say you know what we're just going to give the people of northern Ireland this 20 years just let them have a chance to improve our infrastructure, improve the life of the people without this constitutional question continually hanging over our head so that people are are, are getting in their bunkers and behind their sandbags and everything they do are trying to fight for a, a unified Ireland or to stay in the United Kingdom. Just take that away for 20 years. You would see real progress in Northern Ireland. We've never had it.
0: Purely on a practical point of view. Yeah. Now, taking a emotion out of this. I know, okay? I know. Uh, um, what one of everything and streamline things for example one police force one health service one education service does that practically now i'm saying taking emotion out of us because on both sides we can all give that argument and i appreciate that but does it not seem like a logical thing to do well well
1: well, it, it can be a logical thing to do um but the integration between the, the NHS and the health service down in the Irish Republic uh, can link together more and more anyway, as good neighbours should do. We're already doing it with, with some heart services. You know, um, I just spoke yesterday about um, uh, postmortems for children where we're sending them to England. Why? Why can't they send to our nearest neighbour in, in Ireland? There are okay. things that can uh, integrate. Police forces no, because we're two different jurisdictions and, and will always remain two different jurisdictions, but please remember there are people in, in government now who want to introduce a third police force, you know, a, a, a constituted third police force to look solely at legacy, but with the powers of a police force. So, so you know, this is why I'm saying we've never had an opportunity uh, as a segment of the United Kingdom to progress without somebody trying to undermine us. And all I, I, I do and I plead for this because, you know, the Irish Republic is my good neighbours. Um, nationalists are, are, are my friends uh, and good neighbours. Republicans are my friends and good neighbours. You know, Apart from Sinn Féin. Well, I, I don't trust Sinn Féin because they, they, they still support what the IRA did. And that's, that's a reality, and, and, and I won't. Until they denounce what they did, I, I never will. I am one of these people who say it is absolutely right and proper to have an aspiration to have a unified Ireland. It's right and proper, but it's not right to kill somebody to achieve it. You know, so that blood sacrifice doesn't wash with me. Uh, And I'm also the same to say that it's right and proper to be in Northern Ireland and want to remain part of the United Kingdom. But it's not all right to kill somebody to do that. You know, so, you know, uh, that's why I say that there are nationalists out there, there are Republicans out there who I would class as, as, as good friends, who are good neighbours, who are part of my society, who I will help and link into and all the rest. I cannot link into anybody who has condoned or will condone the willful murder of its own citizens. Sinn Féin did, Sinn Féin still do. Uh, I say it of Sinn Féin, I say it of the UVF, I say it of the UDA, I say it of the I- INLA. You know, um, I, I just cannot I, I accept that. And right now, Sinn Féin, they are still, still even today, Absolutely championing what was done and you'll you'll be hard pressed to find a unionist who won't turn around and say that was then we understand it, but now we've moved away from it. Why are you still championing it? Yeah. That they they will look at them and say that they, they, they could have much to do with them. Okay.
0: Accepting that we're all on a journey, Doug, and our once strong held views, I suppose, can change. You are on record saying the UUP wouldn't sign a petition of concern to block same-sex marriage in the future. Yes, that has been a, a kind of like a, a change in circumstances from the Ulster Unionist Party's point of view.
1: It 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 has and it hasn't, and I guess um, I, I'm giving an interpretation as well here. So let let me make it absolutely clear. Yes, we we have a we have a conscience issue uh, 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 on same-sex marriage. So that that is. You are allowed as an individual, as an individual, not as a party, to decide whether you support that or you do not support it. The party does not have, does not have a say on this. So as a party, the party will not sign a petition of concern. It's as simple as that. Uh, As individuals, we will all make our decisions based on our own conscience. Now, uh, I'm not breaking confidence by saying that I would imagine that about five of the ten so far would be in favour of same-sex marriage. Uh, i think society is moving i think it's right to have same-sex marriage um you know it it is a totem for um lots of rights issues that's going on here in 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 northern Ireland. but i have to say it is not the only issue with the lgbt community you know mental health is probably a bigger issue than same-sex marriage but same-sex marriage is that totem and the also unionist party have been clear and we are working towards an lgbt um, policy document and strategy uh, we have worked a lot with the LGBT community to try and understand the problems that they have and even Robin Swan who is against same-sex marriage and has been clear about that and very honest I think has been also equally honest to say that that doesn't stop us working with the LGBT uh, community um, LGBT plus community and there's other letters to add to that I just I lose I lose it, LGBT is, is I think that's a safe one, we we'll stick with that yeah um, <laughs> So so even Robin is is quite clear that we will work with them and we will make sure that society is better for them and helps them and and everything that they need. The same sex marriage is something i guess affects an individual. It affects an individual because of their religious beliefs, because of their family makeup, because of what they believe society is all about. There's lots of things which give people a reason to support or not support something. You know, um uh, and I don't think we should denigrate somebody's view if they don't support what we support. I don't think we should denigrate them. I think the problem for me is when somebody blocks a democratic process. Mm-hmm. And that is where it's absolutely wrong. So if we in an assembly vote to, to to have something and somebody then undemocratically blocks that, that is where the issue is for me. Yeah. The Ulster Unionist Party, in, in my part, have done this absolutely right. And, and I don't think we've got a fair shout here sometimes because we have really deep... Uh, and honest and open discussions within our party about issues around same-sex marriage in the LGBT community. Uh, it's incredibly respectful, um, and it's very open, it's very honest mm-hmm. um, uh, and we do allow people to, to, to talk about their, their, their views. Thanks for that open and honest answer. Yeah. I suppose
0: just again leading on from that, accepting that everyone's rights should be held and should be looked after, why does there seem to be an issue around the Irish language actor?
1: Yeah, uh, and 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 here's an interesting one, and and I hope people can get this because I have said this time and time again, and and yet people um, want to take this in a particular way. So let me okay. make this absolutely clear. Yes, the Irish language enhances our identity and culture. It should be promoted. It should be protected. It should be f- funded. It should be cherished. It should be endorsed. It is absolutely part of us. But just because I don't support an act doesn't mean I don't support the Irish language. Now, I don't support an Irish language act for a multiple of reasons. The reality is this initially, whether people like it or not, it has been politicised. It has been created where it's now about the package and it's not about the content. So people now just want the front page to say an Irish language act. When you open it up and you look inside, all the other pages are blank. But the front page says Irish Language Act, so they've won something. Whereas I'm saying that we need something around the Irish language. So it's not about the front page saying Irish Language Act. It's about all the subsequent pages about how do we endorse it, promote it, protect it, um, uh, and, and 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 fund it. So, so it's been politicised far too much. And I also have a deeper concern, is that because it's been politicised, it will be used... To divide now when we say irish language act i'm just going to add to this as well every time i say irish language act you can also say ulster scots you know it's one and the same of course so so i'm saying so when i say irish language act also think ulster scots so i'm against an ulster scots act because because it's been politicized i think it will divide northern Ireland to the detriment of northern Ireland. not in the short term but in the long term and i'll explain to you why if i possibly can of course so where the irish language act is wanted signs and services in that part of Northern Ireland will be in Irish and English. Where it is not wanted, signs and services will be in Ulster Scots and English. We are dividing this country up, you know, by street sign. You might as well paint the curbs, which is even worse than what we're doing already, or fly flags, even worse than what we're doing already, because culturally we will divide ourselves. And where people argue the case that, well, what about Wales and what about Scotland? Fair point. But Wales and Scotland did not go through the conflict that we went through. So it's not like for like. So let's go for like for like. So let's take ourselves to Bosnia. Bosnia-Herzegovina has been split into two parts. One part of the country is called the Republic of Serbska The other part of the country is called the Federation of Bosnia-Herzegovina. One country, two parts, two languages, two commissioners. And if you go to somewhere like Mostar, and I was down in Mostar, you will see two fire brigades. One fire brigade, which will only answer to the um, the, the Serbian side, another fire brigade to the other side. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's slowly dividing. Try Kosovo. Kosovo also has the same problem. And it has a division to the stage now where they're now talking about redrawing the borders uh, of Kosovo. So my fear is, And people will say I'm over egging this. And and, and I can get that as well. You know, I'm just giving my opinion. My fear is that by pushing this, we will divide Northern Ireland even further than we are now. Um, The term balkanizing is is a fair term to use. I'm not saying it will be exactly the same, but it does create division. You're sitting here in Portadown. You will drive up the centre of Portadown and you will see road signs and services in English and Ulster Scots. Turn right to Gavacky Road. You will have road signs and services in Irish. It divides this place up instead of bringing it together. But you will accept,
0: I know you will, that nobody has anything to fear. from course. So no, no, no. And, and,
1: and, I, don't, and so, I don't fear.
0: So, so I suppose what I really mean by that, or I'm trying to say is that it will divide society. If people's own mindsets left it
1: paid society, you are you, you, absolutely right. The only thing that scares me about um, uh, the Irish language is, is that I've tried to speak it a few speak times <laughs> and, I, and I literally can't get my tongue around it. Uh, you know, so that that scares me a little bit. But but you're absolutely right. There's nothing to fear from Irish language. It's how or Ulster Scots or Ulster Scots. Yeah. It's how it's being used. Mm. You know, would I be happy if we as a society, right across Northern Ireland, right across Northern Ireland? All said, I'm happy to have an Irish Language Act. I'm happy to have an Ulster Scots Act. I'm happy to have my street sign trilingual throughout Northern Ireland, and we were all happy to do that. I would love that. I would love that because then we're all doing it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that's not what we are now, and 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 it has been politicised, and it's been politicised in sometimes in the most awful way. When I've watched and 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 I've and I've mentioned this. When I watched a, a demonstration for an Irish language act, and there's children there who are holding up signs which are saying revolution is a solution. You know, it, it does not fill me full of wanting to, to, to go down this road. But I, but I, I tell you what I, 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 I will say. The Leafer Grant being taken off it was a disgrace. The renaming of the boat was a disgrace. The curry my yoga comment was an absolute disgrace. And these people who did that... Are the people who also have politicised this as well, and they must take an onus of blame to this, because they have put us in the position now, where we don't have a government, and this is one of the main reasons why we don't.
0: Two weeks ago, I done a podcast interview with Linda Irvine. Yes. Um, East Belfast. Ah no, Linda, never. said the, is it the Faith Mission complex she's mm-hmm, involved with mm-hmm. there? She was telling me some remarkable stuff, and the feedback we've got through our social media. Um, is remarkable that um, they've opened up an Irish language library now and in the heart of East Belfast um, she runs 15 classes a week and she openly admitted about 80% of the people coming are from a unionist I suppose loyalist background and for me and I suppose our listeners that was so refreshing to hear that and I suppose the work that Linda is doing is she says I'm an Irish woman, I'm an Ulster woman, but the Irish language is my language too. I have nothing to be afraid of, and why would we not
1: want to speak it? And here's the the interesting thing, I I have to say, and, um, uh, and, and I guess people need to understand this, the Irish language since 1998 has flourished, and if you're telling me how it's flourished into parts of of um, East Belfast, to loyalist parts of East yeah. Belfast, then I'm telling you it's really flourishing. <laughs> so if it's really flourishing, where is the issue? If it's really doing so well, if people are, if the schools are taking off, if, if if groups are speaking it more, if it's becoming something which is so mainstream that actually, you know, it's far better now than it ever was post the Belfast Agreement, where's the issue? Well, why not just simply then equally back at you? Just Put it in legislation. Well, then you can put it in legislation. So how do you package that in legislation so it's not that divisive issue? You, you, so You include the Ulster Scots with it. Well, well will you... You, a, you know, like a, a quid or, pro quo. Or, 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 or you, look at, you look at other mechanisms where uh, it's protected. Because what we're talking about here is protected. What we're talking about here is stopping those Egypts who did those three things that I said to you, you know, from doing that again. So we're talking about protection. Do we need a standalone Irish Language Act in order to do that? The Irish Republic doesn't have one. They have a Languages Act. And don't forget, we have sign language, which we have to look at as well. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we protect sign language? How do we protect Ulster Scots language? How do we protect other minority languages? As part of the Belfast Agreement, we, we put in mechanisms to protect minority languages. That's why the Irish language is absolutely flourishing here. So what we need to do is put in a protection and legislation. That doesn't mean that, that we have to have a standalone Irish Language Act to protect... So what I would like to do is let it flourish, let it flow, let it be natural in the way it's going, and it's going in a in a in a in a positive in a positive way. Why destroy that by having a politically motivated Irish standalone Irish language act?
0: Well, I tell Linda that you'll be down to see her next week. I, I went to down to see
1: Linda. I went down to see Linda, <laughs> to see Linda um, last year, early last year, and and she, and 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 she is a real strong. Um, supporter of the Irish language and and an Irish language act. you know, And I absolutely respect that. And I go back to what I said about this issue at the very start. Just because I don't support the act doesn't mean I don't support the language. Quite the opposite. Doug, originally the UUP, the Ulster Unionist Party,
0: was the leading voice for unionists here. Yes. Why and how have
1: you become dwarfed by the DUP? The St Andrews Agreement. The St Andrews Agreement sectarianised what we had here. When we had the Belfast Agreement, which was done, it showed real partnership, um, partnership um, between the parties, even t- for the election of the first and deputy first minister. But as soon as the as soon as the St Andrews Agreement came in, both the DUP and Sinn Féin made sure that there was a mechanism where the largest party would always be. Would always be the first minister, and what, there. What used to be the UUP, but the largest party. Yeah, used 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 to be, but, yeah, but, I but, suppose but we took we took yeah we did the heavy lifting to stop us killing ourselves. We talked about this, so we did the heavy lifting to stop us killing ourselves, and we signed up to the Belfast Agreement. And there was parts of the Belfast Agreement which were. Uh, absolutely unsavory for many, many people. I get that, absolutely. And we paid that price electorally. And the same could it. be probably said about the SDLP. And the oh, No, of course, you can exactly the same for the SDLP. So we did the heavy lifting and we paid the price. But you know what? There are thousands of people alive today because we did that heavy lifting. Um, uh, and, and then when the deal at St Andrews was, was brokered between the DUP and Sinn Féin, they put mechanisms in which made sure that it would always be a sectarian headcount. So now when you talk to people, and I've had direct experience of this, they will say, "Doug, I cannot vote for you. If I don't vote for the DUP, Sinn Féin will get in." That is absolutely how we have sectarianised politics here. Um, but I absolutely accept that the Ulster Unionist Party paid a price for doing that heavy lifting. I remember speaking to my father. I was overseas. I paid. I, I voted by proxy for for the Belfast Agreement, and and my father. I I rang my father and I said, "Dad, what what are you going to do? What is this? What What do you think?" Uh, and 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 he's and my dad said to me. Doug, this is, th- there's, there's parts of this which are truly awful. There's parts of this are going to stick in my throat. There's parts of this that I cannot accept, but will have to accept. But you know what? If we don't do this now, we're going to keep killing ourselves. And 3,000 will quickly turn into 6,000 in 20 years' time. Look at the bigger picture. And, he, and, and my father saw this as a method of stopping us killing each other, thinking that in the years to come we would have mechanisms Mm. that would move it forward, and we never did. The Ulster Unions have paid the price for that. Uh, You know, at the polls, straight after the Belfast Agreement, which made the DUP the bigger party, and then since then, because of St Andrews, we have sectarianised the voting in here. You asked me at the very start, why has the Alliance and and the Greens um, taken off? It's because they're trying to get away from this sectarianised vote as well. You know, uh, and, and would, would you
0: not consider maybe joining one of the parties? No, 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 I can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, um, it, it, you, there's many, there's many, um, there's many a uh, DUP uh, unionist voter out there who will say, "Doug Beattie, you're more alliance than you are unionist." Uh, and do uh, you do you take that as a compliment? No, I don't. <laughs> And and there's and there's and there's many uh, an alliance and, and Sinn Féin member will say I'm more DUP than I am UUP, which which I also take it as, other, as a compliment. That's, a, that's <laughs> another that's, a, that's another insult. Uh, you know, um, you know, I I am a unionist. I'll not change from being an Ulster unionist. You know, um, I will stay as an Ulster unionist. You know, politics has has an ebb and flow the, to it. The, the DUP is probably. What, more than half their parties full of ex yeah, 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 people yeah, that I, I could never join them. I, I you know, their, 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 policies are so alien to me. Um, their, their, their inability for individuals to speak candidly and openly like this and and have a free thinking view is is so alien to me. I, I cannot understand why. And certainly, want to get you
0: to be commended for yeah,
1: that. but 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 the the, the alliance party. I, 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 have to say, and 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 I know people will hate me saying this. Um. But I I think they they are they've moved into a realm of, uh, where they are becoming sneering in many ways at people who have a view just because I'm a unionist and I have a strong constitutional opinion on things. It doesn't make me um, sectarian. It doesn't make me anything more than um, a, a, a unionist who who believes in 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 the in the union. And there's many things that Alliance I think do right. Um, but but you know they 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 don't meet that that box we talked about boxes earlier but they don't meet that box where they will defend what i hold very very important and that is the union yeah yeah okay
0: tell me this will you ever become leader of your party (laughs) have you got them aspirations there was rumors of it i think around the time um robin was run or was it mike
1: no whatever Mike ran. you know at that stage i think i mean people need to understand i mean i've been a i've been a politician five years Two years as a counsellor, three years as an MLA. You're only a child, you're a youngster. I'm a youngster. I'm I'm like, I'm on probation here. I'm (laughs) I'm still learning. Um, Look, you know, there's a reality to this that people don't see. And it's not just about who you are and the personality that you are. And people think, well, I like what you're saying as an individual. You have to be able to bring people with you. You have to bring a party with you, um, uh, um, and when people were asking me to stand, whenever Robin stood, you, th- there was no way that I could have brought the party with me. You know, and I, I, and and right now, you know, I I do not have that aspiration to be leader. I have that aspiration to support Robin, Swan as 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 strongly as I possibly can. And again, I don't think Robin is always given a fair crack at the whip in regards to this as well. Just because he's got strong Christian values doesn't make him a bad person. Just because he's a member of the Orange Order doesn't make him a bad person. You know, um, if you look at what he has directed, you know, and, and part of that direction, you know, was for me to set up an LGBT working group so that we can understand better the very people who who we want to represent. Um, that was that was Robin Swan. When everybody was screaming and shouting because Arlene Foster said she would go to the Pink News events in Stormont, Robin had already accepted that a month previously without fanfare. He took it as a given that he will go to these places. So I think Robin... But Arlene got the headlines. And she got the headlines. I think Robin is is treated uh, unfairly. Uh, And if somebody was to sit down with Robin and listen to him, listen to what he's saying, listen how he's trying to reach out, they they will see some you know a, a very different person. I just don't think they're giving them that chance.
0: This question wasn't on my list, oh, on, yeah. but seeing that you mentioned it, there, uh, Robin is in the Orange Order. Yeah, mind me asking, are you in the Orange? Oh
1: Order? No, 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 no. no 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 Why no. Why, why not? <laughs> well well uh, listen, I, I, we we talked about we talked about um, religion before uh, and and religious orders of any shape or form, and I I. I I I am religious, you know. I've been told that I'm an atheist. Um, I've been accused of being an atheist. People have even gone to the doors and say, "Don't vote for, vote for Biddy because he doesn't believe in God," which is which is not true. Uh, I just hold a lot of uh, my personal Christian beliefs very dear to me and very personal to me. And I think that's uh, the way it should be. And and, and, and you know, uh, so I I don't get involved in, in, in that many things. But, which but isn't it
0: wonderful? A lot of people you mentioned when I asked you, are you in the Orange Order? And you started speaking about religion. And unfortunately for many people living here, the Orange Order isn't even about religion. It's perceived as being sectarian. It,
1: it, it is perceived, uh, I, I guess. And, and that's up to people. You know, it's, it's hard for me to say to somebody, you know, uh, your perception is wrong. But, but the reality is you, you, their perception is, is, is wrong. Uh you know, but 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 I but I accept that people have those, um, those they do have those perceptions. But the reality is, no, I'm not part of the Orange Order. I'm not part of the the Blackie either. Um, uh, I I I wouldn't. I you know, it was interesting. Somebody said to me, I should join it. You know, um, uh, whenever I was first standing for election, because I would get votes for being part of it. And I said, look, that's really not how I, I work here. You know, I I stand on on what I believe in. I stand for. For truth um you know as best that i can to, to, to my knowledge and some of that has cost me votes the issue of of abortion reform has cost me votes but i won't lie about it the issue of same-sex marriage has cost me votes but i won't lie about it you know I, i'll be very honest you know and i wouldn't join the orange order or the black just to secure a vote i know some people have but I, but i but i wouldn't do it you know um but you know what that doesn't stop me um uh looking at the orange order and thinking there's another part of my identity and culture that I respect mm-hmm. and and you know in the same way as uh, I respect the, the Gaelic games as part of my identity and culture as well and I think that there's where people need to be looking at these things Okay,
0: who do you admire most Doug that isn't from a unionist persuasion and why, and by the way you're not allowed to say Daniel McCrossey
1: I could have said Daniel <laughs> Because you already used that once <laughs> I, I used, to, I used to, Daniel um,
0: so, so you have to come up with somebody different Yeah, that isn't from a unionist persuasion See, preferably Irish. <laughs> anyway, I'm, 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 I'm nearly going to give you an answer now if we keep going like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know it? It, it it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I really did admire Leo Varadka. Um, You know, uh, I, 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 liked the the cut of his jib. I liked the way he held himself. I liked the way he spoke. I liked that real down to earth. Um, view that, that 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 he had, um, uh, you know. If you take away the whole EU negotiation thing, which is just toxic, no matter which way you look at it, and and and, and straight away people say, well oh, you can't admire him because look what's happened with the EU." Uh, I think, I think they're, they're missing the point that I that. that so I make. you would disagree
0: with uh, John Taylor or Lord Kilkenny, that that Indian?
1: <laughs> that well, that's just awful, isn't it? I mean, do, I mean, look, I, I I genuinely believe that that. That John comes from that era where you just fire these things out and think that it doesn't really have an effect. Well, but, uh, but when you,
0: when you say them on Twitter and
1: social yeah, media, I, I, the whole world sees it. Yeah, that. it was it was very wrong um, of, of of John. And, and look, I'm not going to be on this podcast to attack John. No, it's, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, I'm not I know you're not, but I'm just saying I I, I wouldn't. But but I, you know I have got to be clear, John John wasn't right. You know, John's not in the Ulster Unionist Party anymore. Of course he was, but he's not now. Um, but but no it wasn't the, the right thing to do but i did I do like leo Varadkar. I've met him a few times as well and and i i do like his personality i, I do like the way he interacts you know um the, the accent is a little bit grinding but that's, a, that's a, maybe that's a different conversation to be to be to be had um but 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 I do respect him as well you know i respect the difficult things that he has taken forward um in Ireland as well i mean i, I think the the referendum of on abortion reform showed a real, a a, a real courage because it, it could have went completely differently for him. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I, Leo Varadka, I, I I I do respect uh, immensely. Um, uh, you know, he's he, he's done he's done great for his for his country. I think, um, you know, and just take Brexit out of this equation yeah, yeah, completely.
0: Yeah. But yeah, Leo Varadka. Okay, good answer. I appreciate we're getting on in time here, and again, thanks for all the time that you've afforded me today. People are going to actually
1: listen to this length of this. Oh,
0: but that's a feedback we've been getting, is that the longer the podcast, the better, yeah. because when they're walking the dog or driving home from work, they can get a proper listen. To well, so. Anyway, uh, tell me this very quickly. Who will win the three EU seats? Uh,
1: yeah, so I think it's
0: kind of for granted, or taken for granted, that Sinn Fein,
1: DUP will win the DUP, and and Danny Kennedy will win the third. Danny um, Kennedy, yeah, he will. He will absolutely win the third, and he'll win the third for this reason here. Now I'm saying this on election day. You know, people yeah, are going to be and, looking and, at.
0: And by the way, this podcast will be released on the count day, which is Sunday, Monday. So <laughs> we'll see how good your prediction. So, so,
1: so, so, actually, so actually, what you're say, what you're saying is is um, three weeks from now, people will be dragging this up on the Twitter and saying, "Yeah, look, look what happened here." No, Danny Kennedy, I think will win the seat. Now, you know, um, Danny, I think there's a number of things about Danny which which um, I think is a, is is fair to say. If, if you were just looking at people to say there is a decent man, there is a really decent man who is able to talk and reach out to people um, and understand their problems, their issues, their counter arguments, then Danny Kennedy would be the man that you would say yes to. He, he's just that really decent human being. Um, uh, but he's also a strategic thinker. He, he can think about the long term, he understands the long term, and he does believe in the democratic process. So Danny, like me, voted Remain. Mm-hmm. But as we've had this discussion, if we believe in the democratic process, and Danny does, then it's right and proper that he says, the people spoke, they said to leave, it is my job now to get the best deal possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he is clear, as I am clear, there will never be a hard border here on, on this island. We'll never go back to that. You know, it, it, it it's, it's never going to happen. So I think Danny will, will get that. It's all about unionists coming out to vote. If the 95,000 came out and voted as they voted for the council election, his first tally would be 95,000. He won't get that, of course, because they won't come out to vote. Because unionists are, are notoriously bad for getting out to vote. You know, um... But I still think that that Danny will will get enough to to, to get him across the line. Okay, thanks for that. Listen, I'm going to leave it there because I
0: know your time is very precious. But I had questions written down here. (laughs) For example, how can we fix the current impasse at Stormont, which will take us a week. (sighs) Um, Another question I was going to ask you, which won't go into, we have an all-iron rugby team. Is it time to do the same with soccer? and i could go on and on but Mm. just to finally wrap it up doug we always ask um, everyone this same question so it'd be interesting to see who who, what your answer is who would you invite to your fictional dinner party and you can only have three people and why would you invite these three people
1: well i do you know what I, i i think uh i would have um uh I'm going to give you two names straight away here. Yes. So, so, so Winston Churchill and Nelson Mandela. Okay. Right. And, very and, good. And here, here, here's why, because I think Winston Churchill was a man, a great visionary, I have to say, but, but, but yeah, a man who had a very dark past as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how he thinks the whole empire piece has played out, um, uh, and how it would, and how it would affect. Uh, I could actually come if, if, if uh, the whole empire piece um, has played out now and today, uh, and 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 what's the interaction between him uh, and Nelson Mandela? Yes, uh, and how Nelson Mandela um, the, the 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 reconciliation uh, of of, of of what happened in in, in South Africa. Yeah. So I I think I would invite those two, and then I would sit back and just listen um yeah. with my third guest and i'll tell you why in a minute um but i think i would just sit back and, and, and listen to their interactions i think it would be fascinating to to, to hear those two interacting um you know uh, uh and, and and i would sit back with my third guest which would be george best because he likes a drink uh, and i like it <laughs> and i like a drink uh and, and, and i think uh, we, we we could talk trivia while the, those guys um uh, while well, those guys really talked about the the, the deep and interesting stuff, but it would be nice to, to to have somebody like George Best, and I use George Best because it's quite topical today about it is uh, the statue you know, uh, the statue being released, but I I think it would be interesting to to, to talk to George Best to, to talk about his reflections about himself now, you know, and what advice he would have given to himself, you know, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and the way he lived his life. So I I think there are people there because. Uh, you know I've reflected on on how what advice I would give to myself as a young man and I would like to hear other people do do similar but I would also like to hear those those big conversations by by people like Nelson and and um, uh, uh, um, Winston Churchill just to just to get a sense of, of of how they would view life today and problem solving. and well, it's only after dawn, may
0: all your three uh, dinner guests are all deceased.
1: Yeah, they are. They are all deceased because... because <laughs> there's, there's nobody alive you want to no, speak to? Well, no? <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's lots of people alive who, who, who I, I think I would I would want to, but I guess I, I think there's, there's some lessons to be learned from people from, 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 from bygone years who, who, if they were transplanted into where we are today, it would be interesting to see what their solution would be. And to see their take on it and their surprise uh, and shock yeah. uh, well, and horror. Well, I, 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 I think so. I, I think Winston Churchill had a view of, of Ireland in his youth. It would be interesting to see what his view of Ireland would be, uh, you know, to, to today. Yeah. You know, so I, they are all dead. But, but I hope that everybody who is still living at some stage or another, I might have a dinner party <laughs> with them. You Very know. good.
0: And on that note, Doug Beatty. Um, once again we really appreciate your time today and on behalf of Shared Ireland and our listeners thank you very much for being so
1: open, honest and candid in this interview Well no listen it's, it's a pleasure and, and I will say this again we have to keep talking uh, and we may well come from um, different positions on this uh, we may never be reconciled in those positions but as long as we're talking and we understand each other I think life
0: will get better Very good And just finally, uh, to all our followers, we hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, a wee like or a retweet would be appreciated. Speak soon. Bye-bye.